This week's In-Ear Insights, we are talking about process development, particularly when it comes to marketing, marketing automation, and marketing technology. So, Katie, what is process development? It sounds just like, I mean, the 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 adventurous coder in me sounds like it's overhead. <laughs> it's, it is and it isn't. So process development is exactly what it sounds like. It is the act of developing a process. And so while you might think it's overhead, to me, it's repeatability and scalability. And so if you're not, and I'm looking at you specifically right now, Chris, if you are not <laughs> documenting what you do, then you can never pass it off to someone else to do the way that you want it done. So you will forever have to do the thing. So that's not the only reason why you want to do process development, but for you specifically, I know that that hits home. So that is the argument that I would give to you is you need to document the stuff that you don't want to do so that somebody else can do it. Okay. What about things that I want to do that I don't trust other people to be able to do as well? I think that's still valid because I think, you know, process development is if you break it down to its most basic idea, it's writing down the steps of how something gets done. And so let's say, you know, whether you want to do it yourself or you want someone else to do it is sort of irrelevant. So, you know, I brought that up because I knew that that would be like, oh, if I write it down, then I can pass off the stuff that I don't want to do. But regardless of who's doing the thing, the reason you want to write something down is so that you can find where things are broken and efficiencies. And so it's part of the QA process. It's part of requirements gathering, but primarily the function that it serves is so that somebody else can test it to validate the thing. And so if you, Chris, are not writing down how a set of code works, then someone who isn't you, who is likely me, who doesn't fully understand code, can't test it because they don't know what the expected outcome is. They don't know okay, this, then this, then this, then this. Okay, it's breaking, but I don't know why. And then I hand it back to you and you go, yeah, I don't know. Let me start completely over versus just pinpointing and focusing right at the spot where you can see that it broke. What if I'm an insecure person who is a... F no, I, I'm dead no, serious. No, I know. I know where this is going. That's why I'm already <laughs> exactly. laughing. And I, and I don't want to document it because I'm afraid then that my organization won't have a need for me anymore. I think, you know, that is a really valid issue that comes up. I actually ran into that a lot a few jobs ago with a data team because the concern was that if people knew what actually went into analyzing the data, then they wouldn't be able to justify, you know, how many people they had or the salaries that they had. And I think mm. the on PC response to that is you kind of need to get over it um, because the reason for that is because you will never then be able to get help. You will always be bogged down by what it is that you're doing. And I think that it kind of goes into that gray area of will the machines take my job or will someone else take my job? Documenting the stuff that you're doing gives you more opportunity. It gives you opportunity to say, this is repeatable. I can automate this. Um, 
this is trainable, I can give some this to somebody else. And then the opportunity is that you then have more time and critical thinking time to really dig into the insights, to build relationships, to do that deeper thinking, to skill up on other things. But if you're forever bogged down because you're insecure that if people know what you did, that's like, that's a whole separate episode. <laughs> okay. So how do we get started with this? Um, how do you, how do you do process development? Because I mean, obviously I have my ways of doing process development, which is not terrific. Uh, yeah, I just kind of do things. And then later on I go, well, good thing I wrote code. Cause I would have no idea what I did otherwise. Uh, but what, what's the, the better way to do that? The better way to do that uh, unsurprisingly is to start with some business requirements and the easiest set of business requirements that you can do if you don't want to get bogged down by paperwork is to use the 5P framework, your people, your purpose, people, process, platform, and purpose. Problem, per people, a lot of people in it. there. Okay, so <laughs> let, let, let's make up then one. Um, sure. We know that next week uh, is going to be, as we're recording, it's going to be Social Media Marketing World, one of the larger conferences in our uh, in our market. Mm -hmm. And we want to be able to, uh, to participate in the conversation, even though we're not going to be there. So I guess our mm -hmm. purpose and our user story would be, as a marketing agency, uh, we need... Uh, Twitter data about the social media marketing world hashtags so that we can meaningfully participate in conversations and build a network map of who's who. Right. So that's so, your purpose. Okay. Uh, what do we need anything else on purpose? Are there specific outcomes? So aside from uh, participating in the conversation, are there other outcomes that we as the agency would be after so that we can track those throughout the requirements. Do we want uh, to drive we, traffic to our website? Do we want to demonstrate our skill sets? Um, yeah, we want, we to, want to drive traffic awareness? to our website with a network graph. Okay. All right. So that is the secondary purpose. So the first purpose is to participate meaningfully on who's who. And the second purpose is to drive uh, traffic to our website. So that's our purpose. Okay. So then the next P is people. So that's where you and I come in, but it may okay. extend beyond you and I, um, you know, do we need help from Emily? Do we need help from John? So when you're thinking about the people and this becomes part of your process development is who's doing the thing, who needs to execute it, who needs to QA it, mm. who needs to analyze it, who needs to deliver it. Okay. Well, for this, I think, I think it's just me. <laughs> okay, so in that context, that means that you, Chris, are responsible for collecting the data. You, Chris, yep. are responsible for analyzing the data. You, Chris, are responsible for writing up the analysis of the data. And then you, Chris, are responsible for uh, posting and disseminating the data. Is that a correct assumption? That's correct. Okay, so that covers people. Right. Now, so there then, are parts, I guess, theoretically, we could delegate, like the, the social media posting part we could delegate, but uh, otherwise, not really. Well, and delegating just for delegating sake to have more people involved isn't necessarily a good option. You know, and so if you're writing up the analysis, you're writing it because we've done this before, I know that you'll be writing it in the form of a social post. So you literally just have to 
open up the social posting platform, queue it up and post it versus giving it to someone else to do the exact same thing. Like that's not a good use of delegation because it's not really saving you any time because you're already doing the thing. Gotcha. Well, so I guess that takes us to process then of how, of, of how we're going to do the thing, or does that take us to platform? It takes you to, well, you know, you don't have to do process and platform in a certain order. So in order to understand the process of how we probably should understand which platforms we'll be using. So the first question is, you know, what data are you using to answer the question? Right, which in this case would be predominantly Twitter data because it's the most visible, but, um, well, actually, that's a very good question. Should we also, since we have the ability and the, and the technology, should we also set up uh, monitoring software for TikTok? If I don't have, know if anybody's going to be publishing on the hashtag there or not. Well, if we have the ability, um, well... Okay, so for the sake of discussion, let's add it in. So let's say your data sources are Twitter and TikTok. So you know your data sources. Once the data comes out of those systems, where does it go? Into my laptop. (laughs) (laughs) Where specifically in your laptop? Are you setting up a spreadsheet? Are you setting up a database? How does it get from A to B? So what happens is there's a piece of code in R that essentially scrapes both services uh, via their APIs uh, and turns the output into CSV files, comma-separated value files. Uh, These are essentially essentially text spreadsheets of sorts. Mm -hmm. Um, Then after the data is downloaded, a different part of the script turns it into the nodes and edges that you need to make a network graph. Uh, so using network graphing software that will then builds essentially two more spreadsheets, two more tables that then go into visualization software. That visualization software then visualizes the the construction of the network cloud um, and then spits out an influencer list as well as the visualization. So you get a nice PDF. And so the question I was asking about TikTok that got me thinking was this year, as part of our process for publishing our podcast, we've started taking video excerpts of the show and publishing it to TikTok and Instagram and LinkedIn as, as video shorts. Uh, And, you know, John loves his shorts. We may want to start doing (laughs) that with YouTube as well uh, at some point, but the process of creating the network map itself can be visual. I mean, watching network graphs sort of assemble itself is actually one of those, the slightly more interesting things to, to see. And so that raises the question that from a, a platform and process uh, part for requirements, should a 30-second video snippet be part of the end product? So again, for the sake of conversation, let's go ahead and say yes. Yes, we are going to create the snippet because even if all of those people if if we're using tiktok for example even if all of those people aren't on tiktok we can still represent the process in which the data came together on tiktok on linkedin on instagram even though all of the data is coming from twitter so it sounds like in terms of platform so you have the platforms themselves so you have twitter and tiktok as your data sources you have R as where the code is being posted, essentially. Um, you have your database 
which is where all of the data is going. So let's call it a SQL database for sake of conversation. And then, so it goes Twitter, R, SQL, Tableau, or something. What is the visualization software? It's called Gephi. It's an open it's called source Gephi. product. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so it goes that's, R to a table to, to Gephi. Right. Okay. So that's your platform. Those are your platforms. But then in addition to that, you've just mentioned your um, video editing software. And so I think for you, that's Adobe. And then yep. I think all of the different social media platforms where you would be posting all of these uh, videos and then also the output. So you would have LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all of those places. So those are your platforms. So when you go back to process, basically what we've described, you know, and I'm going to summarize is that the process starts with Chris. Chris has decided that this is the purpose. So this is why he's doing the thing. Chris then needs to set up all of the systems to collect the data. Those systems need to be set up with specific hashtags. It needs to be set up with certain commands so that the systems know what it needs to be collecting. The code itself needs to be written if it's not already written or it needs to be validated that it's still working. So this is how you start to develop the process is you literally go step by step of starting with the person doing the thing, what needs to be done in order. So you validated that the code is working. So then you start to set the timeframes of when is the data being collected? Is it collected every hour? Is it collected every 24 hours? You make sure that the data is going into the database. And then, you know, you push it from the database into Gephi, the visualization. So that's how you start to build out the process because you've identified the purpose, you've identified the people, you've identified the platforms, and then you can start to articulate and write out, here are the steps. A process is just a set of steps in how these things need to happen in order to get to the outcome of, which is what you established in your purpose, knowing who's who, who are the influencers, and posting the outcomes on social to drive traffic to our website. So then part of that process would be setting up probably a data studio dashboard to see, are the is this particular social post driving traffic to our website? <clears throat> mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, because we'd have to... Well, I mean... <sighs> We would definitely want the network graph, um, the HTML visualization to be a, a traffic driver, but we also want to see the engagement on social itself, especially if we're going to start doing videos, because uh, people will probably watch the video and perhaps not even bother clicking through to the, to the um, interactive visualization, especially if they're on a mobile device. Well, and so that gets into, um, you know, going, it goes into performance, but these are things that you would have wanted to understand in the purpose. So going back to purpose, not only are you wanting to drive traffic to the website, but you're also wanting to understand the engagement on different social media platforms. And so that wasn't something we initially stated. I think it was more of an implied and assumed. But now if we're stating it directly, then we also need to add to our process and platform a way to track measurement. So if we're using Google Data Studio or if we're using Supermetrics to connect these different social platforms to our reporting uh, suite. And then when we get into performance, performance is what is the success measure? How do we know we did the thing? And so 
are we getting engagement? How much engagement? How much traffic? And so we can set for for the purposes of this, we can set sort of those general like traffic goes up five percent, or we get, you know, twenty people clicking on the thing and they come to our site, or we get, you know, five percent engagement, whatever the numbers are, you kind of want to establish at least some kind of goals to track against. Otherwise, who cares? Okay, so what do we want to decide for for that? I mean, in the past, those you know, network graphs have done reasonably well for attracting uh, people. They oddly also attract a decent amount of search traffic too, uh, which is interesting. So, do we want to say like a hundred visitors to the the social media marketing world page? I mean, uh, it seems like I'm, I'm pulling a number out of the air, but yeah. uh, I don't have a good basis for um, post post-pandemic, um, what what events are going to look like? Well, I think what we could do, you know, what we would do and what we would advise our clients to do is to look. So we've obviously done this before. So this is not a new activity, a new uh, campaign that we'd be running. So we would look at historical with the caveat that this is one of the first post-pandemic in-person bigger events. And so understanding that the numbers might be lower than expected they might not be at all what we expect but we can at least say historically this is what we can expect and so that then be- sort of becomes our benchmark of you know all things considered you know this is what we could expect this to do okay and then from the business outcome perspective um what do we think the the more tangible result of this will be So the way that I start to think about it is, you know, if we're starting to see, you know, newsletter signups, if we're starting to see, you know, people subscribing to the podcast, if it's helping with retention. And so I try as if you're asking me specifically, I try to weigh that against how much time is it taking you to do this versus what are we getting out of it in terms of a business outcome and sort of, you know, the the ROI of it, if you will. Um, And so if this is an activity that takes you 20 hours, for example, start to finish, and we're only getting three people to visit the website, and then, you know, only one new follower on Twitter, then in terms of a business outcome, it's not good. It's not something that, you know, we should continue to do. Ideally, you know, if I'm being completely honest, it would always lead to someone deciding that they want to buy our services or work with us or partner with us in some way, shape or form. That's always a business outcome, but not every campaign can be that direct. So this is really an awareness campaign. This is an engagement campaign. And so if it helps nudge people down the line to buy something, that's great, but that's not the goal of this campaign. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so we would look then at something like branded organic search as well to see if people are searching for us more by name after the event uh, mm-hmm. for like a, say a seven day period afterwards, see if we got more awareness. Right. So if people are searching for us, if our, if the platforms that we're posting on are growing at all, if the engagement for that, you know, it's sustained growth. So it's not just that bump, that spike, but then those numbers stay up. And that's how we know that the awareness is working because, okay, we've created the thing, people engage with the thing, but then they stuck around to continue to see what else we're doing. 
Okay. So that's a pretty comprehensive plan. It sounds like we've got, we know what we want to do. We've got mm -hmm. some clear outcomes. Uh, we have idea what the technology is. We know who's doing it for the process itself. Um, how do we draft that so that it's usable? Um, a for me, because this time next week, I'm like, what did we talk about last week? Um, and B to your point, if somebody else would just try and take it over, mm -hmm. um, what would they need to do? So this is where you and I differ in terms of how we learn and understand <clears throat> information. So you tend to lean more toward video and audio. I personally tend to lean more towards written. And so I like written steps and you like to watch video. And so in this situation, what we could do, what we would do um, is you and I would sit down together and literally walk through it. Uh, as a test run and so we're recording the video we have the steps and then you would have the output of that would be you would have a video walkthrough but then you would also have the transcript so that someone like me could read it and go okay step one log into this system step two log into this system step three push this button and so as you're walking through it you want to be calling out those steps like that so you know, in this part of the project, I am collecting the data. Here's how I collect the data so that you have those cues written down uh, when the transcript comes out. And that's the way that you would approach starting the process development of the documentation is li you literally have to go through it step by step in order for that documentation to exist. Okay. Um well, I guess we can do that at some point. I don't know if it's if this is the right task to do that for, um, but it certainly it might be eye opening for folks to be able to, to see that behind the scenes someday. I think we can absolutely record it and publish it for people. I don't I don't think there's a harm in that because um, we're going to find out things about the process that we may not have been aware of. One of the reasons why you want to again, sort of going back to the first question why you want to document it step-by-step step is so that somebody else can test it and validate it and get the exact same result as you. So in this instance, the stuff that we're working on um, is not public software that other people besides us would necessarily be using. But in the event that we are creating something that would then be available for public use, you would want to have that more stringent QA process so that people are getting the exact same experience that you were when you were using the software, when you were walking through the process. And so those set of instructions would need to exist for someone who isn't you. Okay. Um, how how simplified or, or in-depth do you go with some of the stuff? Because, I mean, some of the things, like, I already know with the code, we're going to need to make some revisions to the code. Like, using it as is does work. I was pulling some other scripts this morning. But for what we just talked about with the requirements gathering, now it's a slightly different animal. Now it's going to change from what I've been using to something a little more complicated um, because we want to be able to use it on multiple platforms and because we want to be able to uh, be more flexible with the output. Well, I think it really depends on the intention of, so, again, someone who isn't you using the process. And so is the intention that someone like me would do it start to finish, including maintaining the code, or would you still own maintaining the code? And then I would literally just be pushing the buttons that gets the data from A to B into the visualization. 
And so Hmm. those are business decisions that we would have to make to say, you know, Katie, I know that you don't know how to code in R, but we're going to make you do it as part of this process. So good luck, kid. Or (laughs) Chris will still own and maintain it, but you will know where it lives. And so if it breaks, you know who to go to to fix it. And so those then become those roles and responsibilities part of the process. And so a process, you can own a process start to finish, or there could be multiple people who are involved in a process. And so in this case, if you were delegating this network graph to me, my assumption is that you would still own part of the process in terms of the coding and maintaining that stuff. Gotcha. And then you would get sort of the data and Mm -hmm. then do the the visualization. Okay, that makes sense. And that goes into the people part of it of like, who's doing what? How do you deal with things that are judgment based? So I'll give you an example. In the visualization process itself, um, depending on the quality of the data and how many interactions there are, there, there are different steps you can take to assess the strength of the network. There's different algorithms um, like eigenvector centrality, harmonic uh, closeness centrality, betweenness centrality, etc. Um, and there's some data cleaning and refining that is purely judgment based. When you, as the, the the data analyst, look at the data and say, "Okay, well, you know, we've got 60% of this data has no interactions at all; can be safely removed from the network graph," or it's a small enough graph that, like, actually, those interactions might matter. Let's keep them in. And that really is very situational and judgment based. It can vary from it can actually vary from network graph to network graphs. Um, at the start of an event, you may keep, choose to keep all the data in. By the end of the event, you may be pruning out two thirds of it because it's, a lot of it's noise, or you know, someone's bot farm got a hold of the event hashtag. How do you accommodate that in, in process development when it says it's purely up to the judgment of the individual doing it? Well, at, you know, it's interesting because as you were talking it through, you were describing different scenarios. And so what you can build into your process development is those, you know, if then statements. So if you're at the beginning of the event, you know, you might see less data. So, you know, you can sort of, you know, have those rules, if you will. Um, You know, if you're on day one, keep all of the data in because there's likely not enough. Or if you see less than this threshold of data points, keep everything in. You know, and so you can build in those rules or scenarios to say, if you see this, then this would be the next logical step, you know, but also, you know, but also talk with your team. If it's if it's human judgment based, if there's no hard and fast rules, then that's when it's a good time to do that peer review. Like, hey, this is what I'm seeing. Does this make sense to you as well? Kind of a thing. And so I think that that might be one of the most the, one of the biggest misconceptions about a process is that it's it has to be completely black and white. There's no flexibility with it, which is why people don't like to do it. Like, it's that you can't tell me what to do mentality. Like, yeah, that's what a process is for. However, if you build a process correctly, you can build in for those scenarios. You can build in that flexibility of if the output is X, bring it to your team. To take a look at you don't have to do things solely in a vacuum gotcha okay 
Well, that covered a lot of ground on process development and things. I think we uh, have a good template. And uh, if folks are interested in seeing the behind the scenes uh, of this, let us know. Join our free Slack group. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers and reference this episode of the show. If you want to see us get into the blood and guts of uh, our scripting and network graphing and stuff like that, with the caveat that we're probably not going to pull any punches. We're just going to you know dig straight into the code if that's of interest let us know in the free slack group and of course you can feel free to ask and answer questions from you and uh 2200 other marketing professionals and wherever it is that you watch or listen to this show if there's a place you'd rather catch it on most channels are supported go to trustinsights.ai slash ti podcast where you can find uh the show in many many different places thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon 